0: Hello and welcome to The Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean here alongside Joe Howie. This is your pregame show as Providence takes on Fairfield to open up the season at the Dunkin' Donuts Center Tuesday, November 9th. Joe, are you excited for this one?
1: Yes, Matt. Uh, very, very excited. I I've kind of feel like we're getting a, a, a restart or a redo of last season, and what better way to redo the last season by opening against the same opponent? Um, also, quick fun fact, my younger sister Kelly is a junior at Fairfield, so a little uh, in-house rivalry game for Tuesday night.
0: Is she going to be at the game or is it just going to be you? Uh,
1: no, she's not going to
0: the game. She she doesn't really care
1: about Fairfield basketball.
0: She's not alone there, we'll put it that way. Friars poised to take on the Stags of Fairfield 7 p.m. on this Tuesday night. The game You'll, you'll notice the game will be on Fox Sports 1. But if you look through the schedule, you'll notice that this is one of many games said to be on Fox Sports 1 this Tuesday night, including Central Connecticut at UConn, IUPUI at Butler, Niagara at Xavier, Mississippi Valley State at St. John's, Arkansas Pine Bluff at Creighton, and SIUE at Marquette. It's a lot of Big East basketball happening Tuesday night. Fox is opening the season with something brand new. They're calling it their whip-around coverage. They're going to go NFL Red Zone style and swap back and forth between all of these different simultaneous Big East games so you can get coverage of all of them at the same time. I'm I'm intrigued about this. I can't tell if this is brilliant or stupid. I... Share your sentiment, Matt. I
1: am. I have absolutely no idea what to think of this. Um, I will say, I, I think this is a good time. Well, actually, I don't, I'm taking that back now as it's coming out of my mouth. I don't know if this yeah. is the best time to do it because this is the first time that anyone in the country is going to watch a Big East game with fans in over a year. Forget being in the stadiums. If you're watching on TV, you're watching – Fairfield at Providence at the dunk, which you haven't seen, again, since 2020. So, if I'm a diehard Providence fan, which I am, and all of a sudden it cuts out to watch Mississippi State at St. John's, I might not be the happiest Providence fan watching the game. Um, Yeah. Of course, this is all speculatory because I will be at the game in person. So, I don't really – you're going to have to fill us in on how – the whip around works. I feel like if you were to test it, maybe opening night, isn't the best time to test it. Perhaps the
0: middle of November, but opening night, I feel like is sketchy. Yeah. I, I see the appeal of what they're going for here, because when I read through that list of games that are happening, none of them are particularly entertaining sounding. I'll be surprised if the point spread on any of these is closer than 10 points. The Big East should come away from Tuesday night with an 8-0 record if everything goes to plan. And it's hard to sell viewers on, all right, come watch. I mean, if you're a Providence fan, you're going to go watch Providence dominate Fairfield. That's easy. If you're just a casual Big East fan, you're not going to tune into that game. But if it's whip around, you might stay and catch all the highlights and kind of have an idea after night one of where the Big East stands. How, how good are these teams? Who are the key players? What's changed since last year? But... Yeah, I think it's going to be somewhat intimidating for a lot of fans. I do expect to see a lot of complaints from fans who did not know this was coming and tune into Fox Sports 1 to watch their team and then discover this. If you want to watch just your team, you can watch on the Fox Sports app. They will have all of these games in their entirety there. So if you're a Providence fan, you're listening to this, we're going to save you that panic of turning on the TV at 7 o'clock Tuesday night to be like, what the hell is this? Open up the app, and you can stream it. That's going to be the best way to do it. But I mean, there's a lot of Providence fans who are uh, older, we'll say, who may not pick up on that. They may not know what to do. So this is it's an interesting experiment, that's for sure. I, I'm glad they're doing it when the games are lower stakes and not when it's the Big East openers. Put it that way.
1: <laughs> the Big East openers. Could Could you imagine that the the Connecticut? providence game on december 18th and you're watching and there's like three seconds left aj reeves has the ball on his hand and no oh, we're gonna cut out to whoever else is playing like, i think some people would actually lose their minds
0: oh yeah hopefully they could get all but i don't know who they have hosting it yet i don't think they've announced it oh maybe it'll be it john should, fanta that'd be fantastic that's exactly what i was just gonna say if they're gonna have anyone host this it should be john fanta yeah if it's not gonna be john fanta though imagine if they could get scott hansen Get the NFL red zone guy himself to come do this. That'd be pretty cool.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: I love Scott Hansen. But anyway, let's talk about the one game that you're all here to hear about. Friars playing Fairfield. They played each other in the opener last year. Friars won 97-56 after a slow start. The Friars are 16-1 and one against Fairfield all-time. That one loss came back in 1968 at Fairfield, so quite a long time ago. Joe, do we have any reason to think that they're going to be changing that one to a two in the loss column for the Friars, or should Providence feel pretty comfortable heading into Tuesday night?
1: Well, I surely hope we're, we, we feel pretty comfortable. I mean, we basically <laughs> return every player, but um, uh, listen, the Fairfield this season returns their entire starting five. They return nine roster players. It's, it's going to be basically these teams know each other. It's going to be the same exact game as last season down the road in the dunk versus alumni hall. That's basically what we're looking at here. I think what's notable though is instead of David Duke, you're getting Al Durham. So if you're Fairfield's Taj Benning, who is essentially their David Duke, you're getting a different matchup this time around. So that's probably the biggest change. Otherwise, it's the same Nate Watson, A.J. Reeves, Bynum, Horkler, Croswell. All the the supporting cast is all there. It's just a different
0: building, quite honestly. Yeah, it's been 611 days since the Friars played a meaningful game in the Dunkin' Donut Center, which still, it's the last game we broadcasted together. And, yeah, I mean... It's funny how little has changed in that time for these two teams. Like you said, Fairfield's bringing everybody back. For the Friars, only a couple changes. You lose David Duke, you bring in Al Durham. That's it. So, with that said, what are you looking forward to most in this meeting? Hmm.
1: I think for me, what I'm looking forward to most is seeing the impact of a fully Filled Dunkin' Donut Center on opening night because let's be honest, when F- Providence played Fairfield at Alumni Hall last season, the, the first fifteen minutes of that game stunk. We I did was not slow start. We did not take the lead until after the under twelve TV timeout against Fairfield, and then we beat them ninety-seven to fifty-six. That uh, what twelve minutes? Yeah. They, Fairfield had the lead.
0: Like, listen. And this it, is a Fairfield team. In Ken Palm, they finished outside of the top three hundred last year. <laughs> Not a good team.
1: Like, if let, let's say for argument's sake, it's like the opening the opening tip. Fairfield wins. They they get a quick bucket. They get a steal. They get another quick bucket. It's like four nothing. That's fine. You know, that's just a, a quick spurt. They, Fairfield went 12 minutes with the lead and listen I get it there was no off season these guys were all new they graduated five seniors it was the first time they'd all played together against another opponent you can you can go down the laundry list of explanations as to why we did not play well those first 12 minutes but that's not going to fly because this is the same Fairfield team so they surely remember that drought and I, I'm sure the Fairfield head coach is preaching to those guys we were able to play with them why not try it again the only difference is yeah. now Nate Watson's back for a fifth year. <laughs> David Duke is gone of course, but AJ back Reed.
0: For a sixth. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> the difference a lot of is guys returning. This team, this Providence team is experienced. They have a year playing with each other under their belts and they had a full off season. So I'm hoping that this game will resemble resemble the Sacred Heart opener from the 2019-2020 season. But again, we we won't know until opening tip.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the other changes in the lineup for the Friars between last November and this November is that Noah Horker actually was not in the starting lineup. It was Greg Gant for the opener playing that spot. And as I can hear, I mentioned the name Greg Gantt. It gets your your dogs barking over there. But <laughs> yeah. It's Now it's going to be, I mean, Nate Watson had 23 points in that game. Reeves had 14 points. Horkler still had 11 points. Bynum had only four points but eight assists. Those are your go-to guys here. And they all have experience. Obviously, it's a little bit different. But like you said, I mean, these two teams know each other pretty well. And we'll see. Does the impact of the crowd or the Friars start out hot? Or on the flip side, is it's a Fairfield team that comes out with energy because they're playing in front of a crowd for the first time in forever. And they have the opportunity to silence a crowd, play on the road, maybe shake things up a bit. I think the overarching question for college basketball this year, because so many players have changed teams, is going to be how much does it matter when you keep a team together? Especially for Fairfield. I mean, if you keep the team together, are they able to surprise some teams early? As uh, uh, Supreme Cook, one of our favorite names from last year, is he able to do something a little bit for them? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch that storyline throughout the season as it develops. Yeah,
1: I, I agree, Matt. I, I, I also want to backtrack here because we brought up Horkler. He was a rebound shy of a double-double on opening night last season. And I think that's a very sneaky but very important statistic to keep in mind when you're looking at this game, especially when you consider Fairfield's bigs. Because in 24 minutes of playing time, Horkler was one rebound shy of a double-double. In 27 Mm -hmm. minutes, Watson had a double-double. And in 14 minutes, Ed Croswell had 10 points and six rebounds, five for seven from the field. So this was a game last year where our bigs took advantage. So I would like to see... Because all three of those bigs, Watson, Horco, and Croswell, all played against Fairfield last year. Since it's the same returners for Fairfield as well, I'd like to see if Ed Cooley capitalizes that on that and puts the ball in the paint. I, I mean, I know yeah. we have a good backcourt this year, but I think paint play is going to be something you want to take a take your take a deep look at this game.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially cause when you look at what we have as projected for right now is this Fairfield starting lineup. It's not a massive lineup. They have a couple of guys who are 6'9", 6'10", but as far as we can tell right now, they're coming off the bench. So if you have, I mean, if your biggest guy out there is 6'7", or if you're trying to match up with Nate Watson with a guy who you didn't think was good enough to be a starter, oh boy, <laughs> I mean, Nate Watson's going to eat if that's the case. You know what I say to that? What? Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I can't. I mean, I think Watson went off against this team last year, and I can definitely see him doing doing that again. Well, that's for um, sure. I mean, while we're on the topic, matchup.
1: while we're on this topic, why don't we just bat out of order and go to the section matchups we're most looking forward to? Um,
0: yeah, Chris yeah, Mido, I think what is his got... name. Yes, I think his
1: name is. Is that how you pronounce it, Mido? I believe so. Yeah, Chris Mido and Nate Watson is probably the matchup I'm looking forward to most. If my Little rant about playing in the paint and give it away. I'm very excited to watch Watson play this game, but Mido and Watson both hold a height of six foot ten. Put Watson as 50 pounds on him. So, I think if you're Ed Cooley, or if you're my third grade CYO coach, the the <laughs> the the number one option for your offense on Tuesday night should be Nate Watson. I think that's yeah. cut and dry. The obvious choice. But while we're talking matchups, Taj Benning, Al Durham, I mentioned this earlier, Benning, who was, for lack of a better term, our David Duke, he was Fairfield's David Duke in the, the matchup last fall. So it's going to be interesting to see how he matches up against David Duke's replacement, Al Durham.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been a solid player for them, too. Six foot four, 202 pounds. He's going to be that, that super senior. So he's experienced. He had a, tied for a team high 10 points last year. So, I mean, that's without hitting any shots from the perimeter. He tacked on four rebounds. This is a guy who, yeah, I think David Duke's the great comparison there. And I think this is what it makes it a good test for Al Durham. Stepping into his first real game for the Friars. All right, you got you got a good player on the other side here. It's not a great team, but it's a physical player, physical guys. Generally, a well-coached team for their level. You're not going to sleepwalk through Fairfield. You got to play well. You got to you got to put your game together. And I think that's what you want from a first game out. You want an opponent that's going to push you just a little bit. You should still win, but you want to see the team come together and learn and grow and overcome some of these obstacles when you still have that margin for error, when you can still make mistakes and win by 20 because you look ahead a week and you play Wisconsin, and that's not <laughs> that's not a game that you can play and expect to make mistakes and win by 20, put it that way.
1: No, and that's a great point, Matt. I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, last season we played Fairfield and then went right into the thick of it in the Maui Invitational, which was played in North Carolina, but to it with Indiana, so we went from a mid-major to a power five, and the result was completely different. The second game of the season, I'm glad that we scheduled Fairfield and then Sacred Heart before heading over to Wisconsin because these are
0: two, for lack of a better term, um cupcakes.
1: The, these two games, you kind
0: of—they're by games. games. Let's call what they are. These are buy games. Okay, yeah,
1: taking it, taking
0: the a page out of John Rothstein's book.
1: But yeah, five games.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're paying Fairfield to come play us so we can beat them. That's what this is. So let's make sure we get down to business and do it. I am part of it also. I mean, this is going to be a quick turnaround. Because the Friars play Fairfield on Tuesday. Then you got to play Sacred Heart on Thursday. You don't usually play two games in three days, especially this early in the season. So that's going to be a little bit of a test for the stamina of this team. And I know, I mean, Ed Cooley is looking forward to that. He did say in his radio show last week that he would hope the uh, that for next season, upcoming seasons, the NCAA is going to allow an extra exhibition game or pl- exhibition games, plural, because he wants his team more in shape. He wants more of that competition against other teams. He actually, Joe, you'll like this. Uh, do you remember when they played UConn years back? That exhibition for charity?
1: At Mohegan Sun.
0: Yeah. Ed Cooley was talking about how they wanna add they want to talk to the NCAA and add the option for teams to add more exhibition games in the future as long as all of the proceeds are going to charity. I really liked that idea. I I like that idea as well, Bill, especially because it gives us more preseason college basketball. Oh yeah, never gonna say no to that. And it's okay. good for the players. I mean, I think that's... Um, we talked about the slow start last year. Part of that's because there's no fans, there's no energy in the building. There's a feeling out process. I mean, the other thing is it's early in the season, and this is a team sport. There's always going to be bumps in the road early in the season, and the more time you get to iron those out where it doesn't count for the standings, I think the better it is for you. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some of... uh. Some of our predictions for this one. I know we have the same starting five. I think we've been pretty much locked into the same starting five for a while now. Joe, I'll let you run down who we expect it to be.
1: Yeah, no surprises here. I think Ed Cooley's going to double dip with the starting five that he used basically all preseason. Jared Bynum at the point guard, Al Durham at the combo guard, at the wing forward, A.J. Reeves, at the power forward, Noah Horkler, and holding down the paint center, Nate Watson. I I think... This is kind of the go-to lineup. I don't think you're going to see much variation from this lineup for most of the season. Um, I mean, you recruited Bynum as a point guard. We're going to start him at the point guard. Durham is the combo guard replacing Duke, and then Reeves-Horkler-Watson, that is going to be pretty consistent.
0: I could, depending on what happens at the season and with player development, I, I think there's a couple changes you could potentially see or adjustments that could be made to this down the line. But... Until you actually see those things happen, this is the best five. Yes. It's clear as day. And the only other guy who's in the same tier as these starters is Justin Mania. That's that's the top six. That's This team is kind of top-heavy with those top six, as of right now at least. And that's the group that's expected to lead the team all year. Uh, I'd agree with you, Matt. I,
1: I, I will say now that I think about it that there could be variation, like you said, throughout the season I think probably what we would do is go with a bigger lineup where Bynum doesn't start Durham plays the one, Reeves plays the two and you slot in Mania at
0: the three Yeah, I think that's absolutely a possibility and also depending on the development of Bynum as well as the development of Breed and Goodine if Bynum's not getting the job done you could see a different point guard step in um, that's I think pretty much the only one, if one of Reeves or Durham is struggling, maybe Minaya makes the starting, or Horkler, Maniah could jump in and plays of any of them as well. I think Watson is a lock. It would Unless he gets hurt, he's going to start every game this year. He's going to play most of every game.
1: I'm expecting like Watson to average 39 minutes a game. I, I mean, uh, un- unless he, like, like you said, unless he goes down, tweaks something, really needs a blow, like, he really
0: should not come off the floor. No, there was – what season was that? One of the years with Chris Dunn. At one point in that season, Chris Dunn I think was averaging over 40 minutes a game because he played – he never came off the floor and they played a couple overtime games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a rarity. And that's I think that's the kind of figure you expect from Watson. Although, I mean, if you get development from some of these guys, if you can pull them off for five minutes and not lose anything – Think that's probably beneficial. Just you want to give them that rest. Let's let's talk about X factors. I could see in the notes here, Joe. You got Nate Watson as your X factor. We've talked a lot about why that's the case, but I'll give you a chance here to elaborate if you have anything else you want to add to that.
1: No, I mean I think he owns the matchup in the paint this game. Um, he's a fifth year. He's obviously had a full year of development since last season, where he had a breakout season. I. Just, I think Watson's probably going to be one of the best players in the Big East Conference, if not college basketball this year. So I'm excited to see him on opening night. This is a fun game for him. It was a fun game for him last year. He owns the his matchup. I, I think he's clearly the X factor. He should have a double-double.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he drops a 30-piece. Are you Are you not worried about him only having three rebounds in that preseason game? I don't know. I mean, I saw some national <laughs> reporters talking about it. They made it sound like it was a big deal. Well,
1: Matt, the hungriest the college basketball's hungriest insider did so much homework before sending out that tweet. He just all he did was look at the box score. He decided to to preface the tweet by saying that exhibition stats don't matter, but only this exhibition stat matters. And then he follows up afterwards saying, I hope everyone enjoyed the fun exhibition games, but it's all fun and games until someone loses a buy game.
0: Like just yeah. shut up. Do your job and shut yeah. up. Yeah, that was... Uh, Rothstein, he's a decent reporter. That was ne- that was not his finest moment. When it comes to X-Factor, I took a little bit of a different tack on this than Joe. I think Nate Watson's kind of the gimme answer here. So I'm going with Al Durham and Justin Manaya both of them, because this is their first game for the Friars. And they have the opportunity to be the X-Factor because those are the guys that are added to this group. Those are the guys we didn't see last year. And... Because we're playing the same opponent, those are the guys that can kind of be – that's how you evaluate the difference between last year's team and this year's team. And we'll get an opportunity to find out what they offer. This is the first time we're going to get to watch them. So I'm just excited for that. That's why they get my X-Factor nod. And if you listen to Justin Minaya on – the radio show with Ed Cooley last week and the way Ed Cooley was talking about him, they clearly love him. They love his energy off the bench. They love him as a rebounder. He talked about how he's worked a lot on his shooting. So I think they really think, I mean, we talked, we mentioned him in the Isaiah Jackson role, the energy guy who can come out, play hard minutes, rebound, yep. shoot, do a lot of the fundamentals. That's how they see Manaya And having that guy, I mean, that's in some ways how Emmett Holt was at some points. Heck, I mean, LaDonte Henton, who's on the staff now, he was in the starting lineups. So he was a lot better. But that's similar to the role he played, too, for the Friars. Friars do have a long history of having those role players, and both of these guys have an opportunity to step into that role and really add to the leadership of this team.
1: Yeah, Matt, I think you make great points, and I really like your choice here of these two, um, and I'm going to add on to that. Just the, the Justin Manaya six-man energy guy uh, theme that we're talking on right now, uh, that's a great point, Matt. This program, the Ed Cooley Providence program, thrives when you have a great six-man that can come off the bench and spark with energy, defense, all of the above. I think... Justin Manaya fits the role in an Isaiah Jackson prototype. But let's not forget Malik White was a great six-man that had a couple of starts his senior season. Kyron Cartwright at one point was a six-man when Chris Dunn had the reins and came up big in some big moments. I think the game I'm thinking of right now is the Wells Fargo Center win against Villanova February 2016. Cartwright had an assist to Bento late in overtime that essentially put us up, and we didn't look back after that. So I think these six-man players are extremely important to what this Providence team does, and Justin Mania fits this role perfectly. And and Al Durham, um. so I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, Matt, but Steve mm-hmm. Napolillo, the associate athletic director at Providence, tweeted out that He's excited for Friar fans to witness Al Durham. He was the floor general with a ton of energy during the Purdue scrimmage and what was the other one? The exhibition game. So Stonehill, I think Stonehill, thank you. I think Al Durham is going to be exciting to watch, especially if, if yeah, I mean, Steve Napolillo is tweeting talk about to him. Him.
0: Yeah, you get to talk to him in person too. I mean, you can see he definitely he brings he brings that classic Ed Cooley leadership and really buying into the team. Uh, yeah, he's an energy guy. And the other thing is, I mean, you look at this lineup between Durham and Reeves, you really only need one of them to have an on night to be successful. Between Horkler and Manaya, you only need one of them to have an on night to be successful. And assuming Bynum gives you something in Watson's Watson, you got a lot to work with there. So, yeah, I Agreed. mean, I think those two guys add a lot. They're exciting and they help with the culture of this team quite a bit as well. We added a new category to this segment for this year. This year, we want to talk about the sneaky player of the game, Joe. I know you're excited for this one, so I'll let you. All you give yours.
1: Yeah. So the sneaky player of the game, just to preface, is, is the guy that that isn't going to get asked to come sit in the press room with Ed Cooley for the post game interviews. He, he's not the guy that you know is going to be on the post game propaganda that's tweeted out or on Instagram and whatnot. But he's the player that it had a, a serious impact in the game. I'm going with Bryson Goodine. So I think it's going so far under the radar how aggressive he has been playing in the preseason. He yeah. scored in double figures in the black and white scrimmage and in the exhibition game. He got a couple of minutes of playing time against Purdue, which, again, I I, I think that was a higher stakes. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Um, ramp up, warm up game. I mean, I know it was yeah. a scrimmage, but. I think Bryson yeah, Goodine has Yeah, it was a more significant game that didn't matter essentially. Yeah, but I think Bryson Goodein has potential here this season. If he's playing aggressive, he's playing confident. I mean, all it took was one substitution in that Big East tournament Wednesday night game against DePaul, and Bryson Goodine automatically was being his name was being said by. Who was that? That was Raftery on the call, right? Yeah. Yeah, all, first time all season, Raf even knew his name. I think Bryson Goodine has a lot of potential this season, and I think it starts Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the reasons I mentioned him in that kind of what if for the starting lineup down the road. He was, I mean, he was a four-star recruit. This is a guy who has a, a, oodles of talent. If he's able to put it together, he could be a significant factor in this team. And uh, against an opponent like Fairfield, he'll have a little bit of an opportunity to show it. I went with kind of a similar answer, but down in the paint. I'm going with Ed Croswell. It's my sneaky player of the game. He lost a lot of weight. And we talked about how Fairfield's not that big of a team. Well, I mean, Nate Watson, I mean, he gets a lot of rebounds because of his size. But he's not as big of a rebounder. He usually clears out space for some of the other guys. I think Croswell's really going to have some minutes and an opportunity to grab some rebounds because of him. Uh, if this game ends up being a blowout croswell is going to get plenty of playing time with the five as well and uh, he was I mean, he was a good player at LaSalle he didn't get a lot of opportunities he wasn't put in the best position last year but he seems to be in a lot better shape and I mean we forget we judged him a lot for the way he played last season he wasn't supposed to play last year when he transferred to Providence the assumption was that he was going to set It wasn't until a lot of things changed at the last second that he was able to play. So the assumption then was that last year he was going to register and this would be the first time he'd see the floor. So they were playing with house money last year. It's kind of a new start for Ed Croswell, and I'm excited to see what he can offer to this team as a role player, adding to some of that depth that they have.
1: Matt, I'm really glad you brought up that point about uh, his eligibility last season because I think there were a lot of expectation issues with Ed Croswell. A lot of people Mm -hmm. were disappointed in the way he was playing. Um, You know, He he would come on and make some mistakes here and there, Um, a couple of costly turnovers. But I I think that's a great, great point to distinguish that he wasn't even supposed to be eligible last season. So I think the house money reference is great because – that's basically what we did. We didn't. He was not supposed to play. So this season being his first, we'll call it, legit eligible season, I'm very excited to see what they do with him, especially with the weight loss. I can see him in a hybrid Emmett Holt role where he kind of can play the four, can play the five. I'd like to see him and Watson on the floor at the same time. I mean, they're just going to be sweeping the backboard with that, but uh, I'd be very excited to see him do well this season as well. Yeah,
0: He'll be a player to watch. Let's start to wrap this up here. Let's give our score predictions. What do you have? (laughs) Um, (laughs)
1: 103-65 Friars. That's my final (laughs) score prediction. I think Vegas has us favored by 14. um, So I'm going to take that and run with it. Honestly, this game is giving me flashbacks to the opening night game against Sacred Heart in the 2019-2020 season. It's an inferior opponent that you played one season prior. I think we should take it and run. I would not be surprised if Fairfield gives us a tough first half, but I think because, again, Fairfield is a mid-major team, this Providence team returns everybody, I think we'll take it and run away in the second half, but I'm expecting some sort of wrench in the plan from Fairfield. Not enough to stop us from beating them by 50 points, but enough.
0: Yeah, I'm in a similar boat, although I'm not quite as optimistic. I think the Friars cover easily. I've got 87 to 70 is my projection. I think you're looking at somewhere in that 20-point range, Uh, 15 to 20 points. So the Friars should cover. I think this is a Fairfield team that will probably play well together. I mean, in, in an opener where the team hasn't played in forever. They haven't really played a game in this building in a while. They're going to have fans. I think there's going to be a lot of jitters on both sides. I think it'll take a little bit for both sides to really settle in. And I wouldn't be shocked if the defenses of both teams really shine early because of that, while at the same time, you're going to have defensive breakdowns. So you'll have all kinds of steals and good plays. And then the next thing you know, somebody's going to be giving up a couple easy backdoor cuts in a row. That seems like the kind of stuff that happens early in the season when you're still ironing things out. I mean, for as good as Durham and Mania can be in this system, they've only been in Providence for a couple months. I mean, we saw guys last year, Horkler, for example, who'd been in Providence for forever running the system, still had adjustment issues with the defense once it actually hit the floor. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of that at first, and then the Friars... Take control of the game at some point in the first half and just kind of coast, holding it between ten and twenty points for the rest of the game. I, I kind of expect this to be one of those games. But yeah, and this game is going to be seven o'clock on Tuesday night. Make sure you're listening, Joe. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: Can't wait for a thirteen dollar Narragansett Tallboy at Dunkin' Donuts Center.
0: Oh baby, oh, I miss those. That's I. I... I just want to say the the beauty of
1: uh, an upcharge, because when we were at Providence, Matt, uh, a 30 rack of natural light costs $13. But just down the road at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, the same price gets you the equivalent of a beer and a half. So,
0: yeah. Gotta love the Dunkin' Donuts Center, an ambience like no other spot. Friars will be back there for the first time for a real game in 611 days, taking on this Fairfield Stags team. Should be an interesting matchup. I know we're excited for it. Joe, you'll be in attendance. So, for when we do our post game show, you'll be able to give us some thoughts on what it was like in the building. Uh, make sure you are following us on Twitter at the Flex Hoops. You can follow our personal accounts. We're going to try to do halftime shows During the year this year Some live ones We want to take questions from you guys during it Have some discussion, open discussions about what's going on We can give you a little spot to vent about the Friars too Because we know we're going to need that at some point That's how Friars basketball goes So make sure you're tuned in and ready for that And I'm just I mean I'm excited for the season to start It's been too long Let's go Friars Let's go
1: Friars baby